welcome our guests who are here for the first time. Thanks for joining us. Let's pray this morning. Father, we open your word today and we ask you to speak into every one of our hearts right where we are right now with whatever's going on in our lives. Father, you see the big picture of our relationship with you and I ask you to encourage us as we dive into that relationship to draw closer to you and to grow that relationship today. I ask you that the things that we share today would come alive in each of our lives right where we are that would help us to move forward in you into all the plans and your will for our lives. Well, thank you for what you say to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we began a new series simply called The Walk. God wants us to learn to go through life walking with him. We talked about the fact last week, and we stressed this a lot around here, that relationship with God is not about religion. Salvation, Christianity, it's not about religion and rules and regulations. It's about being in a relationship with the living God who loves us and who wants to walk through life and do life with us. God wants to be involved in everything that's going on in our lives. And as we started our series last week, we asked the question and answered it to some extent, what happened to me? When I asked God into my life, when I opened my heart and asked Jesus Christ to become my Savior, what really happened to me? We talked about being born again, what it means. We talked about salvation, what that means. And I'm not going to go back and reteach it. You can watch the message online. But then we talked about four words from Scripture, four words that are doctrinal words, the theological words, but they're words that if you understand those four words, it will really open up the door to what God has done for us and what he wants to do in our lives. And the four words were, first of all, the word redemption. We talked about the fact that God himself has paid the price when he put Jesus on the cross to pay for all of our sins, that that would be taken out of our way because our sins stood between us and relationship with God. And Jesus paid the price to redeem us, to buy us back, to pay the price for our sins that separated us from God. Second of all, we talked about justification. The fact that God now sees us just as if we never sinned. There's nothing standing between us and him and we don't have to carry the burdens from the past and our failures from the past because we're not only forgiven, but we are justified in the sight of God. Third of all, we talked about righteousness. That righteousness is a word we don't use a lot today except in church settings. But you see it throughout Scripture, especially throughout the New Testament. We see that God has now put us in right standing with Him. When God looks upon us, He sees Jesus. And because of Jesus, we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then finally, last of all, we talked about the word sanctification, which simply means that God has set us apart. He's set us aside for his will, for his purposes. And now God has plans for our lives that we never experienced before, and now we're free to walk with God into the fulfillment of all of those plans. Now today we want to go in a little bit different direction, and with that foundation in mind, we want to talk about and ask the question and answer, how is life different now? 
How is life supposed to be different now that Jesus Christ has become my Savior and my Lord? Well, let me first of all say today that accepting Jesus Christ is not the beginning of the relationship. It's not the end of the relationship. It's only the beginning of that relationship. It's walking into salvation and accepting Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. It's not the end of the journey. You've not arrived when you get there. You're just beginning that relationship with God. And the rest of our lives and throughout eternity, God wants to continually be building that relationship that we have in Him. But before I get into today's message, let me just give you a couple things to think about. In order for us to have a healthy relationship with God, we first have to learn who we are now that we are in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. In order for me to have a healthy relationship with God, I have to understand who I am now that I am in Christ Jesus. Or let me put it to you this way. I think one of the biggest struggles that Christians have is they have a difficult time battling with how God sees them versus how they see themselves. In order for us to have that strong, growing, healthy relationship with God, we have to stop seeing ourselves through the, the eyes of the old life and we have to look through God's Word and begin to see ourselves as God now sees us. So today we're going to look at four simple principles out of Romans chapter 8. I had you turn to Romans 8 earlier. Romans 8 is one of the great, great, great chapters in the Bible. And I'm going to give you some homework today. I'm going to ask you this week, take the time at least once, maybe even several times, to read through Romans chapter 8. And read through it slowly and ask yourself, how can this help shape my relationship with God? We're going to look at four principles today that I promise you, if you understand these principles, they will stabilize and they will energize your walk and your relationship with God. Romans chapter 8 starts out in verse number 1, and I won't have you read there right now, but it starts out in, in verse number 1, reaffirming what we taught last week, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What it says is we are free from the past, we are free from our sin, we're free from our failures, and now we are free to walk with God and enjoy all of His blessings in our lives. That's how it starts out. But today I want to dive into four thoughts from Romans 8. Look at verse 14. Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage to go back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, by the spirit we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16 says, The Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And finally, verse 17, and if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Number one, in order for us to have a really healthy, growing relationship with God, we have to understand that we've been adopted by God, 
we are now his sons and his daughters. If I took the time this morning to walk around this room, person to person to person, if I were to ask you the question, who are you in Christ? The first answer I would like to hear is, I am a son of God, or I am a daughter of God. I love this passage of Scripture in Romans 8. And throughout this chapter, you see it verse over and over and over again. But it tells us a few verses further in this chapter that when Jesus Christ died and then he was raised from the dead, he became the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It says brethren, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ became the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, let, let's talk about this for a moment. If we're to understand that we are children of God, what does that mean? That means that this great God of the universe who created everything, the God who knows the end from the beginning, that before he even starts to create, he knows how everything will end. This great, big, powerful, amazing God who knows everything, who is everywhere, who is all-powerful, this God is now our Father. He's your Father. Now, some of you, maybe you haven't had a great relationship with your father. He is a father who loves you like no one has ever loved you. He's a father who loves you so much he put his only son on a cross that you might not just find favor with him, but that you might become one of his sons or one of his daughters. It's very important you get your heart and your head around this today. We are now the children, the sons and the daughters of God. And he goes so far as to say that his spirit lives in us. We talked a little bit about this last week. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we experience that new birth. Our spirit comes alive. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, moves inside of us and lives and abides inside of us. And when that happens, we have his presence. And one of the things he does is he begins to work to convince us that we are the children of God. God doesn't want you to go through life thinking you're just God's slave. You're just an acquaintance. You're just a servant. Now, we may be all those things to some extent, but literally and eventually, and what we need to understand with all of our hearts and all of our conviction is, I am now a child of God. He's my Father. As a matter of fact, it says the Spirit that lives in us allows us to cry out to him, Abba, Father. The Spirit causes us to cry out to him, Abba, Father. Now, in, in English language today, Abba doesn't really mean anything. But if you look in the original writings, the expression Abba was a term. It was a very intimate term that was used only by children to cry out to their own personal father. And they would say, Abba, Abba, which means literally my father God, my daddy God. It speaks of a relationship so close and so intimate that I can run up and jump in his arms. I can climb up in his lap and he will gladly receive me and wrap his arms around me and hold me close and he welcomes me there and he wants me there because he is my father and he loves me like nobody else. That's the relationship he's brought to us. 
But it also says that we have not received a spirit of bondage to go back into fear. He didn't just save us to put us into bondage to make us afraid of him. It says he has given us the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption, which means he chose you. He chose you. If you remember when you first opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, why did it happen? It happened because God was knocking on the door of your heart and you realized this is the real deal. This is the honest to God truth. There's no fooling me here. I know this is real. And you said yes to God. It's because he chose you and said, I want to adopt you so you become my child and you become like Jesus. Jesus became the firstborn, the oldest among many brothers and sisters. You are one of the brothers. You are one of the sisters. He chose us. We don't have to be afraid of God and live in fear. We draw close to him. We run and we jump up in his lap and in his arms. Why? Because he is our Abba. He is our loving, heavenly Father. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever paid such a great price as God paid for you when he put Jesus on the cross? Is there any love like the love of God? No. Then we need to understand God loves us greater than any other person has ever loved us in this life. And that should draw us close into relationship with him. But then he also says, and I will put my spirit in you, and my spirit, God himself, will begin to lead us through life. God wants you to reach up and grab his hand and say, I'm with you. And he wants to walk through life with you. He wants to lead you through the places when you don't know where to go and how to go. He wants to lead you through those places. He wants to take you places you never dreamed you could ever go. He wants your life to become things you never ever thought you could ever do in the natural. That's because he loves you and he has a plan for you. And his spirit will lead you into all of that if you walk with him. That's the life he's called us into. And then another thing it says here, it says that his spirit will bear witness with our spirit, reminding us we're the children of God. What that really means, it means from time to time, God's spirit just kind of puts his arms around us and wraps us up and pulls us up close and says, I want to remind you, I love you and you're mine. I want to remind you. Now, let me talk about this for a minute. Everybody knows when they came to Christ because they knew God was knocking on the door of their heart. Everybody knew when they were accepted because they sensed God putting his arms around them and pulling them close. Once we enter into this walk, we enter into a walk of faith. And I know there are a lot of Christians who live in a very emotional, spiritual world, and they never just take God at his word. They have to live off their emotions. And they're high one day, and they're low to one day, and then they have this great experience in God, and it carries them over for a few months. And then when the emotion wears off and they don't feel anything, then they think they've lost God, and they're away from God, and God's abandoned them, or something's gone wrong. Let me tell you something. This is a walk of faith. God did not call us to walk according to our feelings. But from time to time, the Spirit of God will put his arms around you and pull you up close. And it's just God's way of saying, I don't want you to think I've abandoned you. I love you and I'm still here with you. His Spirit does that. It's a reminder of his goodness and his love and his presence. 
And also, finally, it says that you and I are not only children of God, it says we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, let me do this in reverse order. We are joint heirs with Jesus. What do you think God the Father withholds from Jesus Christ? Nothing. Nothing. What does he withhold from Jesus? What good thing, what good blessing, what good gift would he have ever withheld from Jesus? Nothing. You and I are joint heirs with Jesus of the riches of God. Let that soak in for a moment. Everything that God has in heaven belongs to Jesus. How many of you believe that? Everything that God has in heaven belongs to us because we are heirs of God, joint heirs because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. I'm going to tell you something. There's something special about family. Have you ever been an heir of something? How many have parents? Some of you don't have parents. Have you ever had, have you ever had parents? I might learn something today. This may be my education. All of us are heirs of earthly parents. Maybe they didn't leave you any possessions or any money, but there were things your parents put in your life and maybe some things they shouldn't have put in your life. But we are heirs of earthly parents and they determine what we receive from them. But God has made us his heirs because we are his children and there's no good gift that he would ever withhold from any one of us. No good thing that we ever need that God would ever withhold. And we'll get to that more in a few minutes. But there's something about family. You know, family members can argue and fuss, but you let somebody outside the family do something wrong to somebody in the family, and you've got to fight the whole family. Blood is absolutely thicker than water. And God wants you to understand when you are his child, all of heaven's resources are available to you when you need them. And he wants you to begin to wrap your heart around that and trust him because he is a loving, heavenly father and he cares about you. That's the relationship he wants us to have with him. Number, number two, look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. How many of you ever heard that verse before? Have you ever read that? Have you ever heard that? Most people only quote the first half. Oh, well, all things work together for good. It's not what all it says. It says, all things work together for good to who? To those who love God, to those who are the called according to God's purposes. In verse 29, it says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son. And notice those words. We'll come back to it later. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And finally, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What do we say to what we just read? Here's what we say. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
Many years ago, I heard, heard an older preacher make this statement, and I like, I like this translation. He says, if God is for us, it doesn't really matter who's against us. I like that. If God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. Because number two, the second thing we need to understand is when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're not only brought into his family and received as sons and daughters who have all the rights of all the other sons and daughters, who have all the rights of Jesus Christ, but the next thing that happens is God begins to work on our behalf. Some of you have not been taught this. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God began to work on your behalf. What he said is, we know, we know, we, everybody, look at somebody and say, we know, come on, you got to nod your head, we know, we, if you can't, if, you, if you're afraid to say it to somebody else, say it to me, we know, we know what? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That doesn't say that everything that happens in life is good. It doesn't say that God's going to give us candy every day and make sure our teeth doesn't rot. It's not what he says. It says he makes everything that happens in our lives work together for our good. God is trying to convince you today that as you walk through life with him, no matter what comes your way, just trust God, keep walking. He's going to turn around. It's all going to work out good down the road. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Remember when Joseph was sold into slavery and he ended up there in Egypt? Pastor Zach talked about it a few weeks ago. After years of being there in bondage, he's put in a place of authority, the second in command over the entire nation of Egypt. And he gets to that place and his brothers come back and his brothers are afraid of him. And dad's passing away and they're all uptight. And Joseph looks at his brothers and says, you know what? You meant it for evil, but God turned it into good. It doesn't matter that we have an enemy of our souls. It doesn't matter that some people don't like us. It doesn't matter that there are things out there trying to work against us. God said, I will get involved in life on your behalf. And as you walk with me, even the bad things that happen, I will work to turn it all around and it will become good in the end. Just keep walking and keep trusting me. I like that. That's the kind of God that I want to be in relationship with. God is looking into the future He's working on your behalf. The next thing it shows us, and I love this verse. Go ahead and put verse 29 back up on the screen for a moment. Because I want you to notice this. It said, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now stop right there. Go back to the end of the first line. He also predestined. See, see the next two words, to be, to be and then conformed? In the original writings, in your Bible, those two words, to be, are probably in italics, which means the translator stuck those words in there. What it literally says is, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, conformed to the image of his son. What that's saying is, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he comes into your life, and you walk into this new life, immediately, you're not only a son of God, God conforms you, and he begins to see you as he sees Jesus. We talked about this last week, sanctification. Immediately, God sees you as Jesus. He sets you aside. You're conformed to the image of Christ. Everything that he sees, he sees you hiding behind Jesus, and he looks at you, and all he can see is Jesus, and he pours his blessing out upon your life. Conformed to the image of Christ. 
But in this life, we struggle with that. Because I don't always see myself conformed to the image of Christ. I know my weaknesses. I know my faults. I know my mistakes. And sometimes I say, well, I just don't measure up. And therefore, listen closely, I don't measure up, and therefore I don't deserve all of God's blessing. Let me ask you a question. Which of God's blessings do you deserve? Well, I didn't live good enough, and I haven't really earned this. Well, what have you ever earned from God? It all comes by grace. And what we need to understand is, if he would take us into the family, I'll get into this more in a few moments, if he would take us into the family and receive us because of what Jesus did on the cross, he's going to continue to be involved in our lives, and he wants us to begin to see ourselves the way he sees us, conformed to the image of Christ. God sees you not just where you are in your journey. He sees you as what you're going to become in Christ. He sees you as a finished product in Jesus. See, I see myself on the journey. I see myself in process. God says, I see you complete, lacking nothing in Christ. We're conformed to the image of Christ. And finally, also... I love how it ends up in these verses we just read. It said, if God is for us, doesn't matter who's against us. Doesn't matter what you're battling because God is for you. There are some people in this place today, I think Pastor Zach referred to it during transition in our service. You're going through some things right now. There's some seas of life that are not easy. Your faith is being challenged on every hand. And God says, just keep walking. Don't give up because I am working on your behalf. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working on your behalf. Then number three, look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 32. Romans 8, verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And I want to stay right here for a moment. We're going to come back and read further in just a moment. But I want you to look at those words in that verse, and I want you to think about them and think about your relationship with God today. God, who did not spare his own son, but put his own son on a cross. That's what it says. God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, all of us children. How shall he not with Jesus also freely give us a couple of things? See, we tend to live with the mindset of, well, God might give me something. He might not, but he might. And we misunderstand what God has said. The third thing I want you to notice about this new life that we're in is God wants to be your source for everything you cannot provide for yourself. The things that you need in life, the necessities of life, the things you have to have to accomplish your mission and be everything God's called you to be, those things that you need, the blessings of God are yours and you need to expect God to be your source for the things you cannot provide for yourself. Now look, look at the words again. He did not spare his own son. He delivered him up and put him on a cross for you and for me. How would he then 
withhold any good thing from us. Let's go back to what we said earlier. What would God withhold from Jesus? Nothing. Well, it says that God and Jesus, notice those last words, how shall he not with him, with Jesus, also freely give us all things? It's God the Father's heart and will. It's God the Son's will that we would have everything that we need in this life to finish our race and become everything God created us to be. It's there for us. But we need to begin to depend on God to be our source. Now, look at the next verse, verse 33. It says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who is it that's always digging up the past? Who is the accuser of the brethren? It's Satan. Scripture tells us. He's the one who's always pointing a finger. He's always the one who's trying to convince you, you don't deserve this and you shouldn't get this. You know, I remember years ago, somebody needs to hear this story. Years ago, I, I, I had you know, gone through some real difficult times in my life, and I was always, for the most part, I was the kid who was you know, never in much trouble and was always in church trying to serve God and live the right kind of life. And there was a time in my life when I went through some real challenges and things were not working out and I was trying so hard to be the person God wanted me to be and be upright and be perfect and trying to earn what God had and one night this person was preaching in church and as they were preaching they started walking down the aisles it was a much smaller building than this they're walking down the aisles and this person stops next to me and just freezes for a minute while they're preaching looks over at me and says hmm perfection only one person ever got away with it. You need to stop being so hard on yourself. Then walked away and just finished the message. God sent somebody to church that night to tell me, you know what, just relax. Just relax. Let me be your source. The enemy may charge you with all kinds of things. He may come along and say you've done all kinds of things in days gone by. He may even be telling the truth. But it says it is God who does what? Justifies. He makes it just as if we've never sinned. So he says don't let the past get in the way of your future because God has already taken care of it. God wants to be your source as a matter of fact, I need to stay here for just a minute. I'm, I'm almost out of time, but I, I, got, I got to stay here for a second. Jesus said, if you being evil can give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father want to give you good things? You'd give anything to your kids you possibly could that would help them along in life. God even more wants to bless you. So let God be your source and receive his blessing today. Now look at the next verse. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. That word intercession means he's our mediator. He's between us and God. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and it's the Father's will to give us all these things, but he's there literally as our representative. He's our attorney in the presence of God the Father saying, do you see what my brother and what my sister needs? 
See, Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters that makes him our oldest brother. And Jesus himself, who paid the price for us to have those things, agrees with the Father. They need those things. And then he represents us and he intercedes on our behalf to the Father that you and I could have everything that we need. Friend, think about it. Jesus, your Savior, your brother, is also interceding with the Father that you have the provision you need in this life. It's good preaching today. Amen. Amen. If you don't amen me, I'll amen myself today. This is good. I don't want to get off on that. Number four, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 35. If I get off on that, we'll be here 10 more minutes. And some of you, your stomachs are already growling, so let's get finished here. Romans 8, verse 35. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Well, tribulation? How about distress? How about persecution? How about famine or nakedness or perilous times or wars, swords? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Stop here. Stop here at the end of verse 36. Throughout the New Testament, you see it over and over and over again. There are going to be challenges to our faith. There are going to be problems in life. They're guaranteed. But as you read about it, what you will find is the problems that God said we're going to face, it all relates to the persecution we have because of the name of Jesus. Don't you think for one minute that God's sitting up in heaven just waiting for an opportunity to kick us and make us go through something difficult? That's not what loving Heavenly Father does. Well, if I can just put sickness on my child, maybe they'll learn to obey me. That's not the love of a father. Well, if I can just make them have a car wreck, maybe they'll learn a lesson. Are you kidding me? Would you do that to your child? See, some of us have had such horrible teaching. The persecution that Scripture talks about, the challenges, the problems, it all comes back to the persecution. The fact that there is an enemy of our souls who's fighting against us, trying to keep God's provision for us. But Jesus is praying that we'll have all the provision that we'll ever need in this lifetime. And we'll go a little further. Look at verse 37. Skip down to verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What he's saying is, you can make it through this because God's going to see you through. God's going to be your source. God's going to provide for you. These problems are not going to move you away from God's love and God's provision for your life. Are you with me? Okay, let's keep going. Verse 38. Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come High things or low things, anything that's ever been created, none of these things are ever going to be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fourth thing, I'm almost finished, fourth thing. Nothing can separate us from God's love and God's provision. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from God's love, God's blessing. God's provision. Nothing can keep God the Father from being our loving Heavenly Father. Nothing. The devil can, listen closely, the devil 
your family, your friends, none of these people can drive a wedge between you and God and break that relationship. The devil cannot snatch you out of the hand of God and ruin your eternal future. He can't do it. Now, do you have a will? Can you choose not to walk with God? Absolutely. But God has promised that nothing, nothing you will ever face in this life can make you lose your relationship with God. The devil can't steal it from you. You may choose not to walk with God. You may choose to live in, in rebellion against God. That's your choice. But nothing that you will ever encounter in this life is bigger than God's grace to walk you through that situation. As I prepare to finish this morning, God wants us to understand that as his children, his strength, his presence is always going to be there. If you're a child of God, his presence lives in you. He's not going to abandon you. He's got too much invested in you to walk away from you. You go through a problem, big deal. You go through a trial, big deal. You make some mistakes, big deal. Get back in the race. I made provision for that. We talked about it last week. You repent and he forgives. He forgets. He's got you justified. He's got you covered. But here's the thing. Sometimes things happen in life when we begin to think, well, boy, I just don't feel God. I, I don't feel his presence the way I used to. And been a long time since I had one of those moments where I just boo-hooed and cried and laughed and, until I fell on the floor and all this. It's been long times. You know what? We can never measure our relationship with God by our emotions. Because God has made a promise to you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I'm with you always to the end of this age. And God says, these problems you face in life, my spirit will make you stronger and you'll be bigger than those problems. My victory is with you. Nothing can snatch you out of my hand and separate you from my love. And so God says, just keep walking. Just keep trusting me. You know, I, I see this picture of our loving Father. It's like there are times in life when we get ready to cross a busy street and he reaches down and grabs us by the hand and says, here, I don't want you walking across this without me. And then there are times when we look up and grab his hand and say, God, I'm going through some stuff. I need you here. But I see this picture as a mutual picture of love where we're walking along with God and he's involved in everything going on in our lives and we're looking to him saying, God, I need you to be involved in my I don't know what's going on in every individual's life today. I don't know. But I know one thing, God loves you. And he wants you to know he's got you today. He wants you to know he's never going to leave you alone. He wants you to trust him and just hold to his hand, believe his promises. Just keep walking with him. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to ask everybody here, bow your heads for a moment, okay? Would you do that? Father... I lift these people to you today because they're your people, they're your family, they're your children. I thank you for the honor of pastoring these people, but you're our Father, you're our God. And I pray today that you would take the words that we've shared, the words you've given me to speak and to, to teach today, 
Let these words come alive. Let principles come alive in people's hearts that will grow their strength, grow their trust in you, grow that relationship with you. God, help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to look to you and understand how much you love us and how much you care for us and how much you want to be involved, even in our mistakes and our shortcomings and our failures, how much you want us to look to you and see your grace at work. God, help us to trust you for provision that you want to be our source. And let us know you're never going to leave us alone. Convince us of these things today in Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed for one more minute, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've heard this today and you've thought, well, that's the kind of God I want to know. That's what we've been saying. This is not about religion. It's about relationship. God will meet you right where you are and begin to work in your life and change you from the inside out one day at a time. All he asks is that you trust him and walk with him. He put his son on a cross to pay for your sins, and he says, if you'll accept that payment, I'll forgive you and wash away all the past, and you can become my child. Maybe you're here today and you think, you know, that's the God I want, and I want to lead you in a prayer that will open the door to God coming into your life and getting involved right there where you are. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this right out loud. You don't have to shout it. Just pray it out loud. Just say these words. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you today. Please come into my life. I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sins. He was raised from the dead because I was justified. And I want God to become my Father. So I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I accept your forgiveness. I want to walk with you. I want to know you all the days of my life. Thank you for receiving me. I give my life back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, first time ever, or maybe you've just been far from God and you know it's time to come home, I've got a little booklet I want to give you. It's called The Next Seven Days. Just a little bit of reading for the next week. It'll help you start building that relationship with God. When service is over in a few minutes here, if you just come down, there, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. If you just walk up and say, can I get one of the booklets? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you're in a big rush, you can go to the Connection Center out in the lobby. You can ask for it there. Can I get the booklet they were talking about inside? They'll give it to you there. Same thing, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you. Can we put our hands together and welcome people into God's family today? Awesome. Can we thank Pastor Gary for that message this morning? Awesome. This morning we're going to do a couple more things in, in the time that we have remaining. And right